you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL podcast is stuck in traffic with Ryan Mallett. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. It is um, a soggy, soggy Tuesday afternoon in Los Angeles. I can only think that this is the football gods, you know, realizing the error of their ways, you know, dismissing the underdog Jets. Oh, that. From the playoff equation. So they take out Los Angeles? So what they do is they – Seems a little peculiar. They call in a favor to the big guy, big guy upstairs, let it rain, let them know we messed up. Mm. But That's only, how I look at but it. But only in L.A. where the Jets don't matter. Well, I'm here. I thought you so were saying – It was saying. like I was an apology to me. <laughs> okay. That's how so I So the football gods and God have organized <laughs> to ha- make you happy. Yeah, well, no, not that's to make how me, you see. Rain doesn't make you know, me happy. Nature and society, but to yeah, send a message. Tell hey, we goofed. It's a symbol. Maybe we it goofed. was. Maybe it was the football gods, and I don't. I don't think this is true, but coming down upon us because this is a big day for the Around the NFL podcast, and our listeners should know this that we're going to be on. By the time you hear this, we maybe we're already on the Around the NFL television program twice a day. For the next three days and Tuesday to Thursday uh, next mm. couple weeks. Live! Live for a couple hits a show. The show is uh, 2 to 4 Pacific time, better known as uh, 5 to 7 Eastern time. And so we're on a couple times. What about London time? Well, they can figure that out. What game go path. wrong? Live television. What about? Yeah. What about? But people should watch it. Why not? Sydney time. Well, you have to ask her. What's going on? Dublin time. Not much, guys. Just <laughs> loving the rain, actually. So. Oh wow. You, they, you know, you're 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 a soul you're a soulful woman. So I would get that the raindrops would connect with you on some level. Yeah. Well, 
Well, I just like change every once in a while. It's too sunny here. Yeah, I, I, hmm. I do like variety. Okay, but let's stick with the original idea that this is a, a you know a little. Hey, old Zeuser, football gods here. Also, God, we goofed. I like. I like that the football gods refer to you by the name of the most famous Greek god, Old Zeus. It gets a little complicated. It's like your old pals, your cronies. It gets a little complicated. It's a strange gift, but we're happy for you. Uh, <laughs> and your gift from the gods is coming, Mark, I promise you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it keeps coming. <laughs> so we got a big show, jam-packed show today. Uh, most of it news and just uh, digesting um, Black Monday, or as MJD uh, in our NFL Now hit yesterday, Greg Rosenthal, uh, he said he prefers Red Monday, mm. Game of Thrones reference, and maybe just to mix it up a little bit. I like that. But uh, Black Monday, Red Monday, all the fallout. A, tr- a more troubling image, the blood of coaches, you know, washing through the streets. I don't really like that. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. And uh, so we'll get to all that. We'll also, obviously, we got some big football games coming up this weekend. Uh, so we will uh, look ahead toward those games, some different injury situations, some uh, some different heat around those games. We'll really dig into those games on Thursday, our Thursday show, um, <clears throat> where Colleen Wolf, by the way, will be sitting in uh, for the old Zeuser. I am traveling to – what's so funny? Too many references? <laughs> it's already like too two, much third person. two third persons in the first three minutes of the podcast. That's a lot of third person. He's in playoff form. I like to see it. Um, but I am traveling to the Dominican Republic, an ill-timed uh, family wedding that I am in the wedding party. I'll be wearing uh, a linen shirt and, um, like, khaki pants and a Is vest. Is a shortstop getting married? I don't know what's going on with the outfit, but I'm wearing, I will be on a tropical island um, on the first weekend of the playoffs just doing what I got to do. Colleen will hold it down, though, on Thursday uh, with the preview show. And um, Sunday, I know you guys will plow through as well. So Hold it down or shine. Or shine. One or the other. Or get by. There's different ways this can go. Uh, but so that's what's going on. And we'll also check in. Uh, go get my lunch, uh, you turd. Uh, that is our game where we make predictions before the season. We do it before uh, the draft. We do it before um, the regular season. And now that the regular season, of course, is over and ended Sunday, we will revisit all of our predictions and see who came out on top and who's buying a lot of sandwiches for the group. Uh, and then we might get somebody on the phone at the very end of the show. But let's get into it. Let's start uh, Miss Sydney uh, with a little bit of news. What is that? That's Lovey Smith's hot butt. <laughs> Lovey Smith safe. Not one of the eight teams that are eligible for hard knocks, uh, the Bucks. Um or I should, should I say they are. They're one of the eight teams that are eligible. Uh, check out Around the NFL for more deets on that. Wrote up a nice post. Uh, but let's get to important news. We'll start with New York and uh, the Giants, who, after 12 years, are moving on uh, from Tom Coughlin. He resigned, uh, officially resigned, uh, but really it looked like this was a team decision, and he went along with it. Uh, Coughlin, of course, won two Super Bowls with the Giants, um, and not surprisingly, in his final address to reporters, uh, on Tuesday, uh, he um, you know said the right things. The guy, a gifted orator, I like to call him, um, and this is what he had to say. This is how he closed the press conference, addressing his longtime quarterback Eli, who was standing in the gallery with tears in his eyes and his lip and chin quivering. This is what Tom Coughlin had to say. 
He's done it before. He'll handle it again. He's extremely bright. He's extremely competitive. He's what you want a son to be made out of. I mean, he thinks he's the reason. He's not the reason that I'm... Eli, it's not you. It's not you. It's us. We win. We lose together. And um, he he ended it with that comment and walked off the podium. Uh, it was almost a, a scene out of a movie or something. So very uh, a nice touching moment there between coach and quarterback. Uh, Greg, is this the end for Tom Coughlin? No, I think he wants the coach again, and I think there's going to be teams out there that are looking to hire him, whether it's as a head coach this year or as some sort of consultant or he stays on the sideline in a different capacity. It's hard to say. Ian Rapport, uh, our NFL media insider, indicated he's going to take a, a little bit of time, but that he could be back on the sidelines next year. And I think he'll he'll be considered possibly as a head coach. And you mentioned that scene from a movie. You couldn't be more right. That whole press conference uh, was really fascinating. But the movie scene analogy works because as he gets off the podium, he walks right by John Murrah, who stands up to shake his hands. And Coughlin walks right by him and gives him the cold shoulder. And, and, and Mara kind of uh, almost like in a surprise way, like his, his body language is very open to Coughlin, and he's almost like confused because probably not a lot of people do that to multimillionaires. And you could just Billion. see uh, – billionaires, that's probably true uh, – the the tension that was going on between Coughlin and, and the front office and ownership. I just thought of a great idea. They do make a movie about it. <laughs> Coughlin has executive producer controls. He's in, judge, he's in control of the um, casting process. He brings in Rooney Mara and Kate Mara for auditions, Ooh. strings them along, and then doesn't give them a role. <laughs> Eat it, Maras. That's what she, he would be saying. That alone Not me. I would say seems that. a little over-the-top vengeful. Okay. <laughs> Just an idea that popped in my head. They'd be a good get for that movie. They'd bring some good insider knowledge. Better than Luke Wilson playing Roger Goodell. Come on. <laughs> yes, it is. That was an odd casting choice. Your thoughts, Wes? I have several. The first is we're talking about a guy who is going to have a strong Hall of Fame case. He's revered by his players, past and current. Well, they're all former players now. And he seems to be revered by everybody who covered that team. The Giants are going to go out and improve on this guy? I don't understand why he had to go. Mm. He still wants to coach. He does, and he said that had they gone 7-9, and nine, he would have argued like hell for his job. Like, you're going to go what? place. Yes, he said that during the press conference. And it makes it sound like there was just – there was some decision where you're going to go, but he is not on board with this, and he's not done. He made it very clear that his, his desire was to stick around. And it, I think he's sticking it to the Maros in that press conference a couple different times. You're going to go get a Doug Marone type to replace this guy? The question mm. is why keep Jerry Reese and not Tom Coughlin? Because – my opinion is that Tom Coughlin did a good job with this year's New York Giants, that it was one of the most talent-poor rosters in the league. Now, they did have the best young receiver in the league and a, you know above-average starting quarterback, which is a great place to start. You're going to win some games with those. But yeah, it's a bad roster. That said, let's not uh, overrate what Tom Coughlin's done in New York. The Super Bowls are amazing. He was not a good regular season coach. They... I have a losing record overall since 2009. That is a long stretch. He has had one season with more than nine wins uh, since 2009. And that, that was a year, uh, was not a Super Bowl year. The, the Super Bowl year, they only won nine games. So this has been a mediocre franchise other than the playoff run in 2011 for a while. I would say for the Giants, you know, beware of change for the sake of change. 
and we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, what if Bronx native Doug Marone ends up being their hire? What if it's someone uninspiring like that, and all of a sudden you're you're two and five next October, and you're thinking to yourself, wait, what? Why did we do this? Yeah, but I mean that said, they aren't a sake of change organization. They're one no. of the most patient around. They've had him around forever, and you know stuff's going on behind the scenes. All right, let's move on. It to would it. be fascinating, by the way, if if they did get involved in the Sean Payton sweepstakes. They asked John Mara about it mm. on on the. Mike Francesa show, and he said they would be willing uh, to trade for a coach if it wasn't, you know, too much. And I got to think they're talking about Sean Payton, former Giants coordinator. How about Rich Kotite? Could be coach. Would <laughs> <laughs> be another way to go. All right, let's move on. So everyone thought <clears throat> insiders, fans, media, all thought Chuck Pagano was done in Indianapolis. But guess what? He ain't going nowhere, and neither is Ryan Grigson. Uh, the head coach agreed on a four-year extension. Same deal with the general manager, Ryan Grigson. So here you go. Uh, the two guys that we had heard reports uh, leading up to the end of the season that their relationship was, quote-unquote, toxic, one of my favorite terms uh, to be attached to teams. Uh, they now are, are going to work it out. Uh, and uh, this is this is a big day for uh, Chuck Pagano, a guy that has uh, beaten cancer, of course. He's married. He has children. But what happened late Monday night, it was a great all. day. Um, I've had a lot of great days uh, in my life, but uh, none better than today. This is absolutely the best day of my life. The right move, Mark? I think it was definitely the right move. And I mean, we talked about this on an NFL Now hit before. You've got eight teams looking for a coach, if right? So, so why not Pagano? Six right now. Six. So Pagano, you let him go. He's going to get snatched up by someone else right away. He is beloved in the locker room, and I think you know the reason it's the right move is that the owner, before just deciding to emotionally make a decision the, se- the minute the season ended, sat down the coach and general manager that don't get along and wanted to find out, get in a room, talk, and can you work this out? He let them work it out largely from what some people said, and they came out with both of them getting new contracts. It's a new commitment. Now, the question is, four months from now, are we going to be feeling this way? if more whispers and more reports come out. But Pagano would have been snatched up by someone else in a second, and it brings continuity. It brings back a coach the players love. I like the move. Goes 11-5 and five for three straight years. Loses to a more talented, better roster Patriots team in the playoffs. Goes 8-8 eight and eight this year, 6-3 and three with, as he said, a 40-year-old, Matt Hasselbeck, a country and western star <laughs> with a bad hammy who couldn't tap out because he loves his teammates, Charlie Whitehurst, Clipboard, Clipboard Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> and the Coney Island Thrasher, Josh Freeman. Thrasher. And they finish 8-8. Eight and eight. They win two games. He comes out with a great speech to end it with Jim Mersey there. To me, it makes all the sense in the world that he's back, and I never understood why a fight with the general manager would make you fire a coach who was, like Mark said, beloved in the locker room, respected in the coaching community, and pretty much is drawing interest or was drawing interest from several other teams already. I'll, I'll, t- I'll just take the other side of this for the sake of the conversation. Uh, obviously a gifted public speaker, obviously a guy that you can get behind and root for for what he's been through and what he's overcome, obviously a guy that the guys in the locker room love. Uh, but is he you know, a good coach? And I know that, that we have talked about you know, that he might be so, have some flaws as a coach in past seasons. I mean, that's come up here and in other places. Is he actually the guy to get them over 
the hump. I don't think he's a difference maker, but I don't think I only th- that goes with my theory. I think there's five or six coaches that matter to the good, five or six that matter to the bad. Everyone else is in the middle. I'd put Pagano in that middle, and he has some strengths. I think you need to surround him with good coordinators. It worries me that he's a defensive coach. Their defense has not gotten any better. In fact, it's gotten worse since Chuck Pagano has been there. Ryan Grigson hasn't done a good job for him. He is terrible at game management and is over conservative and is very conservative. But he gets well, his team to play hard overall. He has a lot of good things too. He's shown proclivities to get outside of that conservative nature through stretches. I think it depends on how his roster is looking, though, for him to be able to do that. I don't think there's any shame in being outcoached by Bill Belichick with a weaker roster. And I think that Ryan Grigson had a great quote last night paraphrasing he instills life mm. into that team, into the people in that building, and you can't put a price well, on it. Well, and he instilled money into Grigson's bank account. So everyone was feeling good last night. Will we see Griff Whalen under center again? It was the strangest press conference since – and people forget about this one. It, it was the most surprising, strange, happy press conference you can imagine. Since 2011, when Marvin Lewis and Mike Brown got together after <laughs> Marvin Lewis supposedly interviewed – or he was going to interview with the 49ers. They didn't want him back. He was a, he had a free contract too. And they were taking shots at each other at that press conference. That was the weirdest you know, hire since this one. All right. Greg digs into the history. I liked it. Let's move on now, Mark, and talk about the Cleveland Browns, who – have to rebuild their front office. they got to find a head coach. Uh, a lot of people were scratching their heads when Jimmy Haslam announced Sunday night that they hired a man named Sashi um, to be the team's executive vice president of football operations, a man with no uh, football um, IQ in terms of personnel knowledge. Uh, they continued down a um, non-traditional route. On Tuesday, the team announced that Paul De Podesta is leaving his executive post with the New York Mets to become – uh, the Browns' is, quote, chief strategy officer, and uh, De Podesta uh, is best known uh, in terms of culturally as the uh, Moneyball architect along with Billy Bean. He was played by Jonah Hill in the Brad Pitt movie from a few years ago, so this guy uh, is somewhat of a legendary figure in the baseball analy- analytics world, uh, but he has no football experience. I, I saw some uh, tweets out there that he played football at Harvard about 30 years ago. Uh, but now they have two front office figures reporting to Haslam's hired so far, Mark. Uh, neither has a real NFL personal pro football background. Are you worried? Well, it's, you know, other teams are getting Brad Pitt. We're getting Jonah Hill. <laughs> I'm a little concerned. But, you know, I, I, just, I think that all this is leading towards a coaching hire that they've had in mind, although they're interviewing so many different people. I'm concerned because of what I tweeted yesterday, that you're going to go hire a coach first, but then you're going to try to find a general manager that does not have final say over the 53-man roster, which allows a lot of bright, young executives to not be – their teams can say, absolutely not, Cleveland, you're not going to be able to hire this guy because it's not at a higher position of power than we have him in. So that removes a lot of people. But that that GM isn't really a GM. He's just isn't he kind doubting of doubting what Miami is. So the whole po- right. So the, I mean, but in general, you don't have necessarily an empowered. Th- these two guys are not scouts. Sashi has control over the fifty-three man roster. He's never scouted. He's never done an interview at the combine. He dropped his player. last name by the way this morning. Sashi Brown is his full name. He only goes by Sashi. Exclamation yeah. point. Mm-hmm. People say they're both very bright, smart guys, and Cleveland maybe is trying to do something completely different here. 
Why not? Everything else they've tried has not worked. This is by far the most far-flung concept they've come up with. But if you don't get a coach and the other people in this building to finally agree, because that has plagued them, dating pre-Mangini, there, have been, there hasn't been a, a duo or a group of people in this building that can get along and make decisions. It won't change the final result one bit. That's don't, all I'd say. Don't, this is why I, I, I'm dubious about this whole thing, is that are the Cleveland Browns and under Jimmy Haslam going to be the team that busts the mold how to figure out how to build a winning football team using oh. football analytics, not leaning on personnel? As we much. don't know what that from, even well, means from an on-field perspective, everybody should be highly skeptical that you can use analytics in football to the extent that you can in baseball. The game doesn't lend itself from that. You can't extract one player's value like you can in baseball. But if they brought these guys in to do analytics for a coaching search and a GM search, that's a whole different level. And like Mark said in his article, I thought you put it well, these guys, you know, there will be snarky chuckles for the way they're handling this, but these are also two strong independent thinkers. We have no idea what's going on there. Right. I think they're thinking about it more from an organizational standpoint, how different parts of the, the team work, you know, from the front office to the team. It's, it's a lot. It's very different, and it's a very conservative league that doesn't like any change. So I'm willing to – at least I want to kind of see how it works for a couple of years. To me, analytics – isn't about crunching numbers. I think they would say it's about obtaining as much information as you can in a variety of areas, not not just you know statistics, which football doesn't lend itself to. And I want to give it. A, I want to see what they do for the head coaching job. And I think they'll they'll get football quote unquote people in there for for the GM and the head coaching job. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Jim Schwartz. I don't know. He's I think one thing it, that it does do, which is which is a bit of humble pie for Haslam, is it is removing Haslam from being the primary sounding board to some of these people. But they're reporting directly to him, which... To they me, are, but the coach me, and GM would have other people to To consult. me, that puts more on Haslam almost than ever, and that would be a concern for me, but I don't know. I want to see it happen. You know what convention has gotten them? Joe Banner and Michael Lombardi and Mike Holmgren. And you know what convention keeps spitting out? Dick Duran for a third job and Ken Convention would have kept these Mike, coaches around for a few Mike more Mike Malarkey, years. that's fair. Right. Uh, you know, Conve- I mean, convention works, though, when, you have, when you're making the right decisions. I mean, <clears throat> I can't give the Browns any benefit of the doubt. This, to me, that's fair. smells like another failure. And I, for Mark's sake, I hope it's not true. Get Chip Kelly in but there. But I don't it like makes it. too much Well, sense. but Dan, don't like Dan could you – could they have not hired their coach slash right. player picker, whatever you want to call him. I mean, I think I want to see what happens oh, sure. there. And it, but if they go get two retreads or duds or completely low-level guys two months from now, yes, you have all reason, and so do I, to think this could be another train off the rails. There's so many trains off the rails at this point, I don't know where they all fit. Yeah. <laughs> If nothing else, it's going to be more fascinating than your normal train wreck. If it's a train wreck, it's going to be interesting. on the back of the t-shirts. So they're tra- they've had the Browns have had so many train wrecks since 1999 that they're just going to they want to have a different type of train wreck now. That's Cleveland good. Browns 2016, a more fascinating train wreck. That's you can sell it that way. That uh, moving on, uh, I wouldn't go as far as calling the Chargers a train wreck. Maybe their situation with. Their home base is one, but let's talk about the team itself. Uh, they announced their decision to keep Mike McCoy uh, for a uh, fourth season. Uh, McCoy uh, lorded over a team that went four and twelve this season. They went nine and seven in each of their first two years, uh, including a playoff run uh, and a win over the Bengals back in 2013. Um, 
Tom Telesco is uh, back as well, the general manager. Not back is Frank Reich, the offensive coordinator. Somebody had to take the hit uh, for this season. Uh, uh, Reich went from you know a guy that had some respect around the league. He was interviewing for head coaching jobs with the Jets and Bills last year. Uh, he gets fired here. They rank 26th in uh, points this season um, and uh, the worst rushing attack in the league. But I'll just say this, like, you know, what are you going to do? You have no offensive line. It's a makeshift offensive line. And Melvin Ingram uh, made the spice rack look bad. Melvin Gordon. Terrible. Excuse me. Melvin Gordon made the spice rack look terrible. So it's like, what what kind of running game are you supposed to have? Yeah, I think this is about the running game. You're right. It was just a year or two ago that we're writing all these glowing offseason articles about Frank Reich and Bucky Brooks is talking to his San Diego contacts and going down there, and they all love him. They're going to have this high-flying, high-octane, no-huddle offense, and everybody gets injured. How can you properly grade the guy? Especially on the offensive line. This was the job that Sean Payton had circled uh, along with the Indianapolis job as the one that he wanted the most because both of those places had franchise quarterbacks and neither one ended up. You ought to go to Tennessee. Yeah, neither one ended up becoming available. This screams to me that they want to bring Ken Wisenhunt back maybe. Wiz would make sense. And the team did uh, file for relocation officially. In that interview, if you're a longtime football fan, if you – just reading the statements and watching the interview with Spanos or watch, reading the Rams statement, it's something else. I don't know. It really hit me when I read that Rams statement just saying it's just it's crazy. It's an unprecedented thing, at least in my time you know, covering the NFL, certainly in the last 20 years. Uh, let's move up the coast to uh, the Bay Area where uh, 49ers CEO Jed York announced Monday that Trent Baalke will remain in place as the team's general manager. Uh, Baalke has been with the team since 2005. Um, he will uh, lead the organization's search for a new coach to replace uh, the Patsy, Jim Tom Sula. Um, you know, Jed York, not a popular figure right now up uh, up in the Bay Area. And I guess he doesn't want to blow up the whole thing, so he's keeping Balky in the building and hoping they can find a guy, a coach, that's more to their liking this time around. I put them the number six most attractive coaching vacancy out of six. Oof. Gave your Browns a little bit of love by putting them that? there at number five <laughs> because uh, so much pressure with this job, high expectations. You're in a division with the Seahawks and the Cardinals, and you have unrealistic expectations from Jed York, who just fired one of the most successful first-time head coaches of all time in Jim Harbaugh, and then, as you said, fired his patsy after one year. I think it's a it's a toxic situation yes. potentially not a great roster Wait, be honest greg be 100 percent honest how much did mark factor into you not putting the browns last? it was a factor it was, was it a, the main factor no it was a factor. you need to reassess why you're skirting the issue with me and the browns like i i'm not arguing you that's by far the worst job you wouldn't take it's a little it's a little complicated i have a healthy amount of fear i'm with greg on this at this one. point but I, I really do think the 49ers. The Niners, I hope you really do think that. That Marcus yes. Gary or the Niners? No. matters to me. Expectations matter to me. I'm the expectations are wildly low in Cleveland. Which you want to work wildly. for a guy who fired Jim Harbaugh and chose Trent Baalke over him? No, thank you. Yeah. I'm with Greg on that. Well, I, one last thing on the, the press <laughs> conference was very strange. And not that Haslam's going to keep you around for more than a year or two either, Wes. But <laughs> Especially the you. press conference with the owner was spent – mostly apologizing and saying that he was not going to use Twitter the same way with his little snarky comments saying, you know what, I've learned a lot. I mean, he's clearly learning on the job. And so keeping one, keeping the GM around, one of the few guys that knows football that he can trust, made sense. It would have been weird to see him clean house. He just is not experienced enough 
to probably even know who to pick. If you watch the, the, the press conference, you could actually hear the San Francisco area beat reporters sharpening their teeth. That's a, that's a sneaky, like, feisty uh, beat. Well, they have there. been – you're right. They have been angry all season. But they don't like – found that out. Sometimes they, they start a little heat with us. Yes, they do. You know, they have all sorts of – Or Connor or. It's time for them to relax. Well, they don't – don't want this fight. They yeah, don't like you don't York. Want, you don't want none of that kind They don't of like coming. York. That came across. I mean, they, they went after him. Yes. I think that's per, a little personal there. It's gotten personal. Moving on. You know, I hope it wasn't personal with Runston, uh, Rustin Webster, <laughs> but he is out – in Tennessee, uh, the Titans have fired their general manager um, who, you know, had the sense to stay in the number two pick and grab Marcus Mariota. Usually something that should uh, give a GM some job security. But, you know, when you're talking about the Titans, who were just a disaster in the regular season uh, this past season, they decided they had to make the move. So not only did they fire their head coach, Ken Wisenhunt at midseason, now the GM is out, uh, Webster, uh, during his four-year tenure, the team went 18 and 46. So, uh, with that type of record, and again the number one overall pick this time instead of number two, they decided they didn't want Webster being in charge of that. And in other news with the Titans, the Titans, that's all you, res- you that's all you get because you don't deserve more. Mike Malarkey has a legitimate chance to be retained as the inter- as the coach, the interim coach, this from a rap sheet. And I'll tell you what, I joked on this very podcast a couple weeks ago that he wouldn't even get like a cursory interview because they were so terrible under him. Obviously, they weren't playing hard. I know it's a tough situation, but Malarkey shouldn't even be considered and they want to keep him potentially. Yikes. It's you know, when this when they fired Webster, this may have been a smart move on their part. Well, for multiple layers and reasons, but. There was reports that a lot of people were contacting the Titans saying, we're interested in both the coach and the GM slots. Now, maybe that's all agent speak and nonsense, but that's the power of when you get Marcus Mariota and you have the number one pick, you don't have to pick a quarterback, you can build around your quarterback. This is an attractive landing spot, I'd say, but they, they, have, they have so many layers of leadership. It's almost like Cleveland. They've got 45,000 vice presidents. They've got the guy with the hair and the mustache and the glasses Strunk. and the rest of them. I mean, and not, well, no, Strunk's not the man. That's a woman. But the rest of them, <laughs> please. It's a shame this franchise is unmoored to the point where I believe they're trying to sell it. So the thinking is, well, why don't we just keep Malarkey around for another year until we get a new owner in here? Uh, that's a shame because I think it's with Marcus Mariota, who Brian Arakpo told Albert Breer for sure is a franchise quarterback, mm. and Delaney Walker made several comments. Those guys totally believe in him, and they have the number one overall pick. I agree with Mark. It would be a, a very attractive job if there was stability up top. I put it number one. I It was a risk. It's a it's probably the highest risk, highest reward job. I put it ahead of the Giants and the Eagles. Because those franchise quarterbacks are your golden tickets. It's a tabula rasa. You never know. He might not pan out, but I think you just got to take the chance that you could ride a top five quarterback. I'm yeah. not even going to pretend I know what that means, but if you want to. Tabula rasa. Help, help me and a lot of the audience at home. Go ahead. It's a blank stone. You get to paint whatever art you want on there because you got, you got Mariota in number one pick. You're starting fresh. I got the real life Cliff Clavin to my left. And you have a media conglomerate that's not going to eat you up. I mean, it's a very easy place Danny, to go. Does anybody cover the team? It's literally one guy. Jim Wyatt and the team then hired him to work for them for the <laughs> website. So that's pretty friendly. They, Smart. Him and Titans Amy. What Bill, a heist. Bill, that's right. Bill Parcells was no dope. He always looked for the team that was at the lowest. 
that's when he would go yeah. in to save the day. There's no way to not improve a team that's won five games combined over the last two years. So you're getting in at the bottom, and you're going to be a hero if you but win But what six made Marcel's great was that he didn't just build that team into a 500 team. Yeah, you got to made them good. title contenders. Uh, that's why Bill Parcells is better than Bill Belichick, Wes. Nobody ever accused Bill, Bill Parcells of being a patsy. Ooh. Better than Bill Belichick. Please. Negative. No one thinks that. I do. So deal with it. Uh, moving on, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins front office structure. And I'll tell you what. Mike Tannenbaum <laughs> is a friend of the podcast. And, uh, you know, he's a personable guy. You know, we've bumped into him at league events. Super friendly. Remembers names. Always remembers that Greg went to Tulane. All that stuff. Well, Greg emails him once a month with his <laughs> resume. To remind, that, I just know that. From no, the email's just in big block letters. Yeah. I went to Tulane, yeah. too. It's fine, uh, though. That's a good I was strategy. hoping to get the GM job in Miami. <laughs> but this guy, you know, we're talking about some fangs. Mikey T's got some uh, fangs behind the scenes because he, he won an internal power struggle. Who did he learn from? Uh, Bill Parcells. Your boy. And and he took down Dennis Hickey. Uh, there was a schism in that organization. Uh, with some people siding with uh, Hickey. The Hickster. And uh, others siding with Mr. T. Mr. T won that battle. And now he is the uh, – a lot. we got a lot of good information from Jeff Darlington who filed a good column over the weekend breaking it down. But uh, he now is essentially the football czar uh, in charge of all the big-picture decisions for the Dolphins. Uh, Tannenbaum is. He hired – or the Dolphins hired on Monday Chris Greer or promoted Chris Greer – uh, as the general manager, uh, but really his duties will be to serve as kind of like the, the scouting guy, which is a little bit of a Tannenbaum uh, blind spot, so he'll, he'll handle those duties. Uh, I think um, Donna Ponte is still in the, in the picture. They needed to, to sort this stuff out. That's what they're trying to do. She's unkillable. But it is Mike Tannenbaum who is the, the, the big cheese in that organization. Now he's got to find a way to fix it uh, with that quarterback he gave a lot of money to. Guaranteed money. That changes a little bit what you would think in terms of a head coach that would be coming there. Sean Payton, for instance, was supposedly not interested. Who knows if he, you know, was if they were interested in him. They've interviewed Mike Smith, who Ian Rappaport Davis. reports is a serious candidate. So imagine replacing Joe Philbin with Mike Smith. That did would, the, did they watch the 2013 vanilla, season of Hard Knocks? That'd be vanilla to vanilla. Why not spread Mike a much wiser, wider net than Mike Smith? Oh no, they are. They're they're interviewing a number of people, including Mike Shanahan, which is another. That one doesn't make sense to me either. Because why would you win this holy war within your organization to win power and then bring in Shanahan, who is one eleven and five season away from like wiping you out <laughs> on a power play? I wouldn't do that. That's a, I mean, I think Shanahan's a guy with when a little bit of space. His reputation just gets bigger and bigger. I think he's a good coach. He had a lot of bad seasons with the Reds. I think he was like a, the Chip Kelly on steroids where he was a very good coach that was terrible as a personnel guy and always had too much power. But if you could somehow isolate just the coaching, you know, I think he was a tough guy to prepare for. I'm gonna, I just realized that Handsome Hank, uh, who, of course, is the uh, – not co-host. That would be too strong, but he is – uh, Dave Dab- sidekick sidekick <laughs> that's a little too weak <laughs> something in between He's there the Ed McMahon of that show <laughs> yeah that's fair uh, on the Dave Damashek football program big Dolphins fan and uh, he would often um, in a derisive way in a mocking way refer to the general manager as the hickster as in the hickster will get everything right in the end uh, now we don't get to hear that anymore well, those we'll jokes are over bold yeah. prediction Todd Haley next Dolphins coach interesting well they've got You've got uh, 
Tannenbaum's from the Bill Parcells coaching tree. Haley's from the Parcells coaching tree. And right behind Fergie and Gloria uh, Stefan in the Dolphins' power structure is Bill Parcells still looming as a consultant. He's ahead of the Miami sound machine and behind <laughs> Pitbull. He's like right in that <laughs> sandwich. Great organization. Let's uh, talk about Sean Payton for a second here. Um, what is going on with Sean Payton? He is on some level the bell of the ball or maybe – uh, just a- appears that way. It's all, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, according to the rap sheet, um, the Saints are seeking a second-round pick for Peyton um, in any deal that would send their coach elsewhere. Um, that seems like a lot for Sean Peyton, but I don't know. I guess it comes down to this, and actually that was that first report was Fox Sports on that, but it comes down to this, Greg. This is the question. Is he, you said everybody's either top five, bottom five, or in that middle. Is he in that top five, or is Sean Payton in the Dalton zone? <laughs> Dalton line. I really painted myself into a corner here. I, I should have little areas of gray. Because he's, if he is not, not in, that, in top, that top five, you do not give up a second-round pick. He's not in that top five, but the thing I took away from this report was that the Saints are totally ready to trade him and that they want to trade him. Mm. I mean, second-round pick. Sauce. It's not that much. If you're saying, okay, just go, man. All we want is a second-round pick, it sounds like they're ready to do a divorce. Second-round pick for a coach is a lot less of a bounty than some coaches have been traded for. And if you're an organization that believes what he can do for your offense, then I think it's worth a second-round pick. I think the thing is, what is Sean Payton's other baggage? Doesn't seem like a complete flower to me, but, (laughs) you know. Oh, no, he seems terrible. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. Seems like a real headache and a diva, and you better not bring him to a market where the media is going to come after him hard because it's going to lead to a real cantankerous type situation. I don't know. I mean, sounds it, like we should give up a high draft pick for him. I don't. I just. He's I don't. A good see offensive it. coach. He does. So bring, make him a coordinator. He brings something to the table. I used to say with Wade Phillips, like he's he at least brought something to the table, a proven defensive system. Even if he wasn't a good head coach, that put him in the middle at least because he had something. Sean Payton can can dial up some offense. He's created a lot of yards with a lot no, of guys people no didn't, didn't want. Well, he's Drew Brees. This is quarterback. That helps. Well, and the other option is you go get Doug Marone, which the Saints might wind up with. Sean Payton. Or Doug Marone gets cited as Well, the no, coach. but I mean, that's that's the, the, the apparent link is that Marone would go to New Orleans. That's a downgrade if you're a Saints I need fan. Doug Marone's agent. He's working hard. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like poor Doug Marone needs to be said. I don't know. I, I feel bad for He's the guy. one who backed out. That's It's all his fault. Failed on his play. Totally his fault. Flashback to Black Monday 2015 podcast. It was, yeah, it was on New Year's Eve 2014 when he made the bold power play, and there were reports out there, oh, yeah, he's a slam dunk for the Jets. And then Manish Mehta, another uh, friend of the pod, he's been on the show before, single-handedly slaughtered any chance of that happening by uh, a series of, um, you know, columns saying that Marone would be bad, bad news. I think that's a fair assessment, right? Yeah, well, Robert Klemko talked to a bunch of agents about Marone doing a bunch of coaching availability type people from SI, Robert Klemko, and he said that one guy said he is an incredible leader, absolutely incredible leader. The next guy said people in Jacksonville don't even like him. <laughs> so I <laughs> think it's all, over the, it's all over the map. All right, and uh, finally, uh, over on the throne of Sleaze, um, and let's 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 fire up the real danger, you know, sorrow th- throne of sleaze, please, Sydney. I want to hear, pe- yes, I want to hear <laughs> suffering, because Tom Brady, uh, that that leg injury he suffered in the season finale, a loss by the way to the to Gloria Stefan and the Dolphins, 
uh, a high ankle sprain, the dreaded H-A-S. Uh, so he said, he's coming out and said, I've had worse injuries than this. Well, yeah, your knee exploded uh, one day in September <laughs> once. Uh, that, that sucked. But high ankle sprain. Ain't no joke. Wes couldn't even walk on the damn thing once. Once upon a time, he told me. There are varying degrees of high ankle sprains. Once I couldn't walk for six weeks on one. The <laughs> other one I could get around fine after a couple weeks. And You're not what? eating Himalayan nut seeds, right. though, Wes. <laughs> Tom Brady pays, How do you know? Tom Brady pays like 14 people millions of dollars a year to make sure they care diligently about him being ready for the divisional round of the playoffs. It's a problem. It's a problem. It's hard to listen to Tom Brady high ankle sprain right before the playoffs. It's hard to hear those cries of the the <laughs> poor New England people caught in a fire or whatever on the no, throat they're, of they're, sleeve. I like to picture people flying off a busted roller coaster into the mouth of hell. I think you're absolutely right. Or it's it's a nice fairground right where they're celebrating yeah. the AFC's title and a giant Ferris wheel is <laughs> tipped over on like 4,000 <laughs> New England residents. I'm starting to rethink my decision. Brandon Marcus, our producer, had the idea on uh, on Sunday to do a little J-E-T-S yeah. on Sunday night with bombs exploding at the end. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think that's no. going to would have been stabbed. I was like, I don't think that's going to play well. Was his in, in no, it would not have played well, I can tell you that. Uh, no, you got a little let a little time pass. I know. That's I'm the key. Kidding, I'm kidding. It's all about letting time pass. Um, so that's going on. So you, I guess it's time to check. Um, you know, you put on a, a, hmm. an adult diaper, and uh, you know, there's there's different levels to it. Uh, uh, one, uh, a couple trickles at a, a P. Uh, ten pees everywhere it's like oh this diaper's used up i gotta go get another diaper from the store and change my pants <laughs> it's a tough answer right now p scale where you at it's a tough answer right now because on one hand i keep in my head with the patriots now what i said at the end of the last super bowl that really was the championship i wanted as a patriots fan for so long and i keep that in my mind but when you're just talking about this year's team the p scale is very high you know mm. seven dan why is the person seven or eight peeing from like East Flushing, New York, <laughs> and like a 67-year-old gravelly-voiced adult. I don't know. I mean, I like it. You can't explain these things sometimes. So that's what's happening. That's what's happening in the news today. All right, let's let's touch it. Let's touch base. Uh, go get my lunch props, guys. Um, Nick C- Fortier just tweeted out the update on who owes whom, and a lot of people owe Dan Hanses. Oh, a little teaser. Well, we like wouldn't that. be doing this segment otherwise. <laughs> oh, wait a second. <laughs> By the way, that's classic Sessler. When when I got absolutely obliterated at the draft, did we do the segment? I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Selective memory over there, Quiet Storm. Uh, I did, and it was a terrible job at the draft. I've learned my lesson. I know how to play that game now. But I always said the regular season, that's when I shine. We'll get to that. But let's go right down the list uh, with all the different props. We'll start with Chris Wessling, um, who finished – Eight and ten uh, for the season, which means uh, you won eight sandwiches, you lost ten sandwiches, and uh, Nick Fortier, who does a great job on GoGetMyLunch.org, uh, tracking this stuff, also has the Around the NFL soundboard. Do we have anything from the soundboard, uh, Sydney? Uh, you while you uh, while we talk about this, you can maybe find something. Uh, but here we go. This is what Wes had. He won this one. This is a big winner. Kirk Cousins throws for at least twenty TDs and three thousand yards in twenty fifteen. Uh, both uh, myself and Greg owe sandwiches. Got to 4,000 yards. On that one. that So that was a monster win. Although halfway through the season, I remember having a conversation with Wes that it was going to be very close. It didn't turn out that way. Um, next up, Kristen Michael leads the Cowboys in rushing. Yep. Uh, Dan, Greg, and Mark all made a sandwich off that. 
I don't quite understand how Wes is going eight, eight out of ten if he's only won one. Well, because you're getting the sandwiches from the other people's. Uh, oh, I see. Gotcha. He's played off our folly. Gotcha. So Wes's predictions weren't good, but he I should have stuck elsewhere. with McFay. That was maybe the worst prop of, that anyone made. Well, I, we'll I, was that total McF- I was a total McFadden can believer, you, too. Can you mark down see. the worst ones and then we'll pick the winner? Okay. Or the loser? Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> there's, there's a drop right there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Dan, Greg, and Mark made sandwiches there. Uh, Nick noted in this copy, but Mark thinks it will be close. It was not close. Brandon Cooks <laughs> will have more touches than the Saints' next two wide receivers, tight ends combined. Uh, that did not work out. I wish we had the final numbers on that, but I don't believe it was even we close. We have the final numbers. He's got them on here. Hold up. Uh, Cooks had 92. Watson and Snead had 143. All right, so Dan and Greg made Not sandwiches close. there. Mark, you didn't take them on that. Jameis Winston is benched for performance. Greg, you took Wes on that, and you won a sandwich. Uh, so win for there. And finally, Wes said Tavon Austin uh, has over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. It had to be very close. He had 907. I feel like oh. this is a bit like your uh, Case Keenum one last year. I okay. mean, come on. That's close. And I, no, 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 no. Come that, on. That's a big round number. Yeah, but. Thousand. I, you didn't get to it. Right, it was he had, very like, close. His, his career high was like 500 before. Here's the annoying thing about Tavon Austin, and again, the Rams, congratulations on your 7-9, is that he had like 700 of those yards in five games. And then just disappeared for 11. Also had a very good season. Was He and Gurley were the only decent things on their offense. Dan and Greg both made sandwiches there. We move on to Mark Sessler, who went 7-7. Seven and seven. Even Steven is what they call him. Down the middle, Sessler. Yep, old even Steven <laughs> Avery. Die. Um, Brock Osweiler will make at least one start in 2015. Victory for Mark Sessler. Good one. Uh, uh, both Dan and Greg uh, took you on that. West did not. Uh, next... Uh, the Patriots will miss the playoffs. We all took you up on that. <laughs> that was one. a hope, not a logical. You didn't even believe that. That was that might be the worst one. I, you have to nominate that one. Come on, it's bad. Um, Adrian Peterson. Michael's not even on the Cowboys. Adrian Adrian Peterson <laughs> will not lead the league in rushing. Mark tried to suck us in with that one, and really a credit to all of us in the room here. Nobody took him on it. Peterson did indeed lead the league in rushing, beating out Doug Martin by like ninety yards or so. Uh, Dan Hansis will beat Wes in the season-long pick contest. I like this one. I think Wes got me about, by about six games, uh, if I'm not mistaken. This makes no sense. We should outlaw this this type of thing. It didn't even have anything to do with Mark. I don't even know what's going on here. I liked it. All right, moving Wes, on. Wes knows that Greg not being part of the picks needs to rain on this parade. <laughs> That's true. Exactly. <laughs> uh, moving on to Greg, who finished 8-10. and 10. Nice little comeback because he was deep in the hole uh, going into the last couple weeks of the season. Why you don't, yeah, that's why you don't do an update with you know two weeks left. Taking shots at Nick, who does this great work. Well, you guys were giving it's me grief for being 0-9. It's, not, it's about uh, how you go. finish. The St. Louis Rams will finish in, in first or second place in the NFC West. Bye-bye. In 2015, they finished in third. Uh, Dan, Mark, and Wes all took you up on that. That might be one of the worst ones. And gobbled on some sandwiches. The next one's pretty bad. Austin Davis starts more games than Johnny Manziel. Are you kidding? I'm proud of that one. I got pretty close. You lost six sandwiches on people associated with the St. Louis Rams. (laughs) That Davis one, though, was a Hail Mary. You went all in on the Rams this year. I got got pretty close with Austin Davis. I think that Johnny Manziel started five games. He appeared in ten. Davis did two. Uh, And Davis started two. Andrew Luck will not receive a single MVP vote. That's how you play the game. That was Take advantage one. of the hype. That was good. And I, I'm mad at myself because I remember not wanting to do it, and then I went along with it, and I got banged on it. We all gave you sandwiches there. 
and then only one team from the AFC North will make the playoffs. That was a uh, stupid. Huh? Mark took you up on it, and uh, guess what? Two teams made the playoffs because of my Jets. Jets helped uh, me lose the Saints, so well, we all got, got a that. little pain there. And then finally, Dan Hansis. Get your Dan Hansis. <laughs> Get your Dan Hansis. Hansis is the man's best writer you'll read. Now listen to the sounds from around the league. This day will end Duh. eventually. Winning. <laughs> Again. Duh. Winning. Again. Duh. Winning. Oh my god. You are right. He will handle this well. Eleven and four. Uh the old Zeuser went. Uh let's go over these. Um I believe. Yeah, I was the only one to have a winning record. The Jets will win at least eight games in 2015. I always thought they were going to win between 9 and 10. They ended up winning 10, and it still wasn't enough, but I do get the sandwiches from Greg, Mark, and Wes on that one, so that was good at least. The Cleveland Cavs will win three games before the Browns. That was a complex one. That was not even close. Um, Actually, it wasn't that complex. <laughs> Well, you had to look at the Cavs. The Cavs to, destroyed them. You had to you had to check when they. I, t- I was also I was, was essentially pressured into taking this, or I wasn't like a loyal Browns fan, uh, and I will never take this again. This is a they will do, they won't get this next year either. Well, the Browns did get the two fairly quickly. It was in the Very first correct. like six two weeks. and three, right? Yeah, first five weeks, and then yeah. it took them. Uh, I think the Cavs probably had ten or twelve wins before uh, the Browns got their third. So I won one off Mark there. Peyton Manning will throw for at least oh 30 gosh. TDs in 2015. Listen, I will not be ashamed that I was – if I'm going to stay on the ship a little too long, that's okay. I like Peyton Manning. I'm not saying, oh, my gosh, to you. I'm saying it to me and Mark for not taking you up on that one. In only yeah. West took Obvious. me up on it, so I only lost a sandwich on it. And then J.J. Uh, Watt and Jadavian Clowney will have more combined sacks than Von Miller and Demarcus Ware. No one took me up on that. Uh, do we have a breakdown of what that was? I don't know, but Watt and Clowney did have more. They did. So it's a good thing you guys didn't take me on it. Um, so there we go. Well, that's how you win the game, too. You know, you like to talk about the nut hangers. That was, that's the onion opposite. Hangers. The onion hangers, whatever. <laughs> very crude, Greg. <laughs> we are crude. Disgusting. Greg, you're supposed to be our supervisor. <laughs> he's, the, he's the one that made up the phrase. Hey, get your nut hangers out there. Oh, bugalugaloo. Don't forget the Irishman's contribution. Well, whatever the opposite of that is, that's what this one was. They're, they're snug and safe and... You know, well protected yeah, in that well, sort of bet. Eleven and four. Way to bet. double down on that. Uh, the Irishman Brandon McManus, uh, one of our past producers, a great man. Uh, he went zero and three. A producer, by the way. Fun fact, Sydney, if you're still around, next time we do one of these, uh, has never won a sandwich in this. They are terrible at it inherently. I don't know why, but uh, he said that Tony Romo would have more passing yards than Eli Ouch. Manning. To uh, be fair, he yes. kind of got. He kind of got. Screwed. That was bad luck. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That was really bad luck. Yep. You know but part they, of the durability is part really, of the thing. He was really, really proud of that, by the way. <laughs> so proud. Eli Manning nev- has never missed a game. Tony Romo misses, on average, four to six games. Well, we have now. had worse producer bets than that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm tallying it up now. I guess TD and Gold Standard have won sandwiches, you know, but they've lost far more than that. Overall, the record is just grisly. It just shows what sort of football experts we are. Mm. I'm doing it the math quickly. I think three and twenty-three, I believe, is the producer record. Yeah, and you know what my favorite thing about the all-time standings is not that Greg and I are in a virtual first-place tie. <laughs> it's that Mark has wagered twenty fewer propositions than Greg. Yeah, well, <laughs> that is because if you looked at this, if this was like a quarterly report, 
I did no propositions early on, and I'd done far more of late, well, and I paid for it. How about Mark's record? 41 and 41. Old yep. even Steven. Yep. Well, listen, I don't mind it. Even Steven. We are all at 500 like better, thanks Steven. to the ineptitude of the producers. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Uh, so that's where we are um, right now. And what are what are the nominees for worst sandwich prop of the year? Yeah, I guess there's three nominees. Kristen Michael will lead the Cowboys in rushing. The Patriots will miss the playoffs. And I'm going to go with the third pick would be the Rams will finish either in first or second in the NFC West. So, yeah, you were betting against both the Seahawks and the Cardinals this season. Betting on the Rams, which is just shameful. Yeah. Uh, it's not as bad as Michael, though. I mean, Michael ended up on three different teams, not, also, not the Cowboys. Also had a 100-yard game three days ago. For a different team. Hey, I'm – I, I admit it was a bad He also, one. when he signs with a new team, the team's like, oh, here's your iPad with the playbook. And he's like, nah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, just give me the ball. Yeah, good. No, it was, it was especially bad because I said all offseason I was in the McFadden camp, and then at the last minute I was swayed by the charms of a it's team. It's only slightly The siren worse. song of Christine. Christine, Christine yeah. Michael. Not picking the Patriots was just stupid on my part. So maybe his was the weirdest, whatever. Mine was just flat out a dumb person's All right, before – I thought it was an out. I mean, I'm sitting here owing sandwiches because of one of the dumbest things I've ever said. <laughs> you only lost one on that. No, he Still. lost three. Oh, you did. Oh, ouch. Well, we weren't going to pick against the Pats. All right. Before we get out of here, it is time to uh, um, talk about what happened with the picks. Um, we talked about last week's show that Wessling and Patra went into week 17 in a flat footed tie for the picks title, a night of uh, drinking on the line after a uh, phone call that quickly swerved into, you know, some edgy territory between the two colleagues. And uh, I have to say, um, Kevin Patra won this thing going away. Woo! He went 11-5 and five, uh, for the week, the best record of the week. Wes had his worst week of the season, perhaps. He went 7-9, and nine, so... Patra, who was down two games going into week 17, ends up winning the whole thing by four games. Um, and, uh, you know, a big win for Kevin Patra. So now we have him on the phone. Uh, Kevin Patra, your thoughts on your big victory? I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Now what? Oh, well, that was a joke. You know, I like Charlie. <laughs> All right. Now Kevin Patra. Duh. Winning. All right. No. Kevin Patra. It was beautiful, Dan. It was beautiful. <laughs> hey, Wes, I want to know how it felt to be like the Buffalo Bills in Super Bowl 27. Whoa! I, I don't mean, know. I, I assume they cared whether they won or not. Oh. oh, yeah. Play that card all you want. I'm just, I can't wait to um, buy about 1,000 Miller highlights on your tab. It's going to be would beautiful. You, why would you be buying the champagne of beer? Because he's a common oh, man. He's number one all, on the common man rankings. First of all, first of all, it's delicious. Second of all, I can drink a thousand of them, so it'll it'll go up. Your tab will go higher. He is so. not number one in the common man rankings. <laughs> he never delivered mail or was in a union. I don't want to hear. You it. know how Kevin called his shot I, though. He came on here last week. Did. He was like Babe Ruth pointing out to the outfield, and then he took Wesseling out. It was a, oh, it was a miserable performance by me. I was terrible. Not only was it a um, yeah bad week for Wes, but Patcher also blew away the fan consensus. Uh, with you know they go chalk typically and went nine and seven. Patrick took some chances, went eleven and five. And you know sometimes on the in the studio, when is Patrick being sucked into an alien portal? Now? Sometimes 
Mark gets you see the Mark Wild Eyes. I can hear the Wild Eyes on Patra as he's going after Wesley right now. <laughs> Kevin, why so angry? Did you feel like Wes had uh, kind of looked past you? No, I just think I was confident what I had to, what I was going to do, and I pulled it off. I, I mean, just straight confidence. Nothing on nothing else other than that. Yeah, you deserve the kudos. Well done. Excellent performance by you. I don't understand why there would be any anger involved. <laughs> There's no anger. There's only happiness from my end. I mean, it's just the way Detroit guys are. <laughs> you can move him to Chicago. You can put him, uh, you know, USC. You could sh- send him wherever. He's always going to have that Detroit bad to the bone. You're a bad boy. That's what you are. He's a bad boy on Slack every day. He is. Um, no comment. All right, Kevin Patrick, congratulations on a big victory. You have to defend the title next year. And maybe, uh, Greg, if you know, if he'll come down from Mount Pius, we'll jump back in and we can have a real showdown between the 2014 winner and the 2015 winner. We'll see what happens. Let's do it. All right, so there's Kevin Patcher, victorious. Going to get some drinks from Wes whenever it happens. We will get out of here now. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. I should say the guys will be back on Thursday with Colleen Wolf. Uh, we'll preview all the playoff games. It's going to be a, a great week of football, so we will dig in hard on all those games. So make sure you tune in for that. It will also be on YouTube and on NFL Now, I believe. Uh, we have some other news to share a little, That's right. a little later in the week. Good so uh, just make uh, be ready for that as well. So until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and La Seed behind the glass. Until Thursday. I know what I want. And I want it now. I want you. I'm Mr. Vane. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is the R&B Podcast. I'm Nate Burleson. I'm Real Mike Robin. On this week's podcast, we preview all of the Wild Card Weekend matchups. Please check us out. NFL.com backslash podcast and iTunes. We the realest out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com.com slash compatibility.